You may be listening to this episode from your combine right now. And if you are, DTN is wondering how you feel about your big iron. What did thousands of farmers report about their combines and planters in DTN's Reader Insight Survey? That's today on Field Posts. weekly podcast by DTN Progressive Farmer that dives deeper into the most important trends in agriculture to explore the business's cutting edge. I'm your host, Sarah Mock. Earlier this year, Field Post got up close and personal with thousands of tractor reviews from farmers across the country, in part because we know that finding and comparing information about farmers' experiences with different equipment can be difficult. DTN's Reader Insights is back at it with thousands more farmers surveyed who offer feedback this time on combines and planters. We're digging into that data with DTN's Dan Miller on what producers care about most when they're choosing new equipment and whether the dealer relationship, cab comfort, or even paint color might mean the most when it comes to these high dollar purchases. But first, a word from our sponsor. This episode of Field Post is brought to you by DTN Ag Marketplace. Marketing is a year-round business, but it's not your only job, especially this time of year. As you focus on fieldwork, monitor your opportunities, and easily make an offer with help from the newly enhanced free DTN Ag Marketplace app. DTN Ag Marketplace facilitates end-to-end grain sales on your schedule. From your smartphone or mobile device, you can easily connect to local agribusinesses to view current cash bids and futures to sell your grain. Need more accountability in your marketing program? The app lets you set goals and monitor progress, as well as enter and track inventory. Confidently market your crops with DTN Ag Marketplace. Download it today for free on the App Store. And now, back to the show. DTN senior editor Dan Miller has been parsing the data on farmer reviews of Big Iron, while at the same time talking to equipment companies about how they are managing through the COVID crisis. These two tasks have given him a front row seat to the shifting priorities in the farm equipment space. Dan, give us a little update on what you guys have been looking at since then. What other surveys have gone out uh, and, and what are we focusing on next? Sure. We, um, we sent the, the Reader Insights survey for tractors uh, to farmers and ranchers earlier this year. It went out uh, first first quarter of the year. Um, we got a great response on that. And so we've, we've talked about that before. Um, we, we got information on about 7,000 tractors altogether. We're re- really excited about all that, that information that we received. So following up on that, we sent out surveys, separate surveys, uh, uh, one on combines and then another one on planters, and that'd be pull-type planters and, and drills. In the combine survey, we got back information on about 1,000 combines, and from the planters, we got back information on about 1,300 planters. So we're very excited about that return as well. Um, this has been an interesting process for us. It's kind of been in the planning since uh, uh, since the middle of 2019, and it's 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 exciting to see how far it's come along. Um, we've got a great team at DTN, of course, it's helped pull this together, and then our SoCal uh, marketing group out of California is the one that's uh, been critical to pulling the survey together and managing it and and helping us uh, uh, with the putting together questions and those kinds of things. I might add one more thing before we move on to the combines and planters is. We pulled in farmers early in the process. We pulled in farmers that we knew 
um, uh, into the process of helping us write the questions. And the reason we did that is we didn't want to count on our own selves to write a question that maybe sounded funny to, to farmers, other farmers looking at the survey. So what we did was validate our questions, our thinking, our direction uh, with these farmers. And it really, it really proved invaluable in putting this together. It makes it a very authentic uh, survey, we believe. So anyway, on the, the combines and planters, it was, a, it was a lot like the tractors in terms of um, how the readers responded. We found, for instance, that um, upwards of 80% of combine sales were made because of the work the dealer did with the farmer. So again, dealers, just like we found in tractors, uh, the dealerships were critical in making the sale. That I want to dig a little bit deeper there, uh, you know, especially on on the combine front. What other give us a maybe the top line takeaways? What were the most interesting things that you all learned from from the data on combines? Like, you know, why people make purchases, why people um, choose the brands or or the specific machines that they do. Anything kind of stick out as as a primary driver? I think yes. Um, one of the things that we found is is even as complicated as the machinery is these days is that combine owners want to have uh, the ability to work on their their machinery themselves. That doesn't mean they're going to fix everything, um, but but they want to the day to day maintenance those kinds of things. They don't want to constantly be having to call the dealer uh, to come out and do do you know simple maintenance and things like that. So the ability of the farmer to do maintenance on their machinery was true in tractors and it's true in combines too. Also, we found interesting, given that given the price and expense for some of these pieces of machinery, is that uh, as in tractors, um, a, a good portion, upwards of forty percent or so, of owners uh, purchase their machinery with cash. And and um, there's also a good number that that lease their equipment. I think we we probably knew that. Um, also, with combines, is the um, the owners tend to hold on to them at least for a little while. We found that the the, the biggest group was in that four to seven year range is where they uh, before they would turn their combines over, so that was that was interesting, and I think it it, it uh, uh, goes back well to answer why farmers uh, uh, see it as important that they can maintain, do some maintenance on their own equipment, is because they hold on to it for a while, and um, you know that may, they want to control that maintenance cost over the life of the machine on their farm. Was there anything in this survey that that surprised you that didn't seem to be in line with uh, kind of what we expected when we think about, you know, maybe the common knowledge or the the conventional wisdom around how and why uh, these purchases are made? So I, I, I think what we found is that farmers, when they're buying a machinery, they look for the nuts and bolts, how well the machine runs, the size of the engine, uh, the transmission, those kinds of things. They also um, are interested in, in cab comfort, how how comfortable they can operate the machine uh, from the cab or, or, or just keep themselves comfortable during long days. <clears throat> but one of the things we found too uh, uh, through the survey is, is that while the dealers and the manufacturers provide a certain level of training that the farmers want even more, we found that uh, uh, people who, who, who own this machinery also wanted more information on how it operates from the manufacturer and from the dealer. Um, they want to get more into the nitty gritty of all that. Uh, they, they need more information, especially on the technology, how to make it work as efficiently and productively as they can for themselves. So that was, that was I don't know if it surprised us, um, but, but they were sure willing to say it. And, and on top of that, we found that by uh, talking with uh, some of the manufacturers this spring through COVID-19, 
um, is the manufacturers are finding ways to communicate with the farmers on exactly these issues, on training them to use the equipment, to maintain the equipment, because maybe a manufacturer uh, or the dealer cannot get people out to the farm for whatever reason uh, to, to help them. So they're doing a lot more online. Um, the farmers are getting access to information you know, that the dealer has access to, to help them uh, work through maintenance issues and, and, and breakdowns. You talked a little bit about uh, the breakdown of, of how many folks kind of responded to the survey, but I wonder if you can talk a little bit about, you know, the geography of, of where those people were and how much you know about the people who responded. Were there any geographical trends or, you know, are farmers in the Midwest thinking differently about combine purchases than, say, farmers in the Southeast? I don't know about that. I don't know that the survey got into that that detail. Um but we did find that that most of the most of our responses came from the Midwest, the corn and soybean states. Um, but we also had a good number of, of, of returns from uh, the Southeast uh, and uh, Texas, of course, and then and then out west. Uh, so we were pretty pretty diversified. Um, um, we had, I think, forty or more states respond, for example, to to the combine survey. Well, let's hop over to the planters part of this conversation as well and, and give us, you know, any top line readouts on on what is driving these decisions behind planter purchases and, and how does that compare to how people are thinking about tractors or combines? Um, I think with the planters, um, we, we, we looked at it in two ways. We looked at pole type planters, the corn and soybean planters, and then the drills, you know, that do the weed or soybeans or, or those kinds of uh, practices. Um, we found... Um, for example, that it was over a third of people um, who evaluated their planters for us. They, they were corn and soybean planters. So that kind of fits with what we were just talking about. And that about 15% of the equipment evaluated uh, was evaluated by wheat growers. So about, about a fifth of the planters were used for double cropping. And then about 10%, 11% were used uh, just, for, just for a single crop. Um, we found the same things we did with everything else, dealership, uh, uh, work with the dealership is critical. Um, for example, we found that 82% of the planters purchased were purchased because of the relationship with the dealer. That that just keeps coming through. That's kind of a current uh, that runs through all these surveys. Is how critical the the dealer is to is to making to making purchases. And we 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 wonder and we hope that the that the, the equipment manufacturers are taking note of that because I'm sure they know it's important, but it seems to be more than just a little important. I'm curious on that, as as uh, you know, I think the the prevalence of the dealer in this data, uh, and how important it is for making that decision. I'm curious how important just like the the color the color was, how important the branding is, um, and whether that might be becoming. I mean, it sounds like because of how important the dealer relationship is, maybe the brand name itself is actually becoming less important. Or or what was what was the the readout of, of how brand played a role in, in these decisions? Sure. That's a good question. Um, you know, in our, in our tractor survey, um, a, a, a couple of brands were predominant in that survey, but in our combine and planter survey, we've got a much wider variety of, of manufacturers represented in these surveys. Um, and it shows, you know, it shows, especially in terms of planters that farmers mix and match that the, the, that the tractor pulling the planter, um, you know, they may be purchased for different reasons. Um, so you're going to see different colors uh, um, there in those combinations. We just have a wider diversity of planters uh, uh, that shows up in the survey. And the same was true with the combines. Um, and I'm more speculating that maybe what showed up in the survey here, but 
um, especially in terms of planters, it's a very complicated machine uh, and farmers are more willing to hang different, uh, different technologies and different pieces of equipment on their planters uh, to make it do what they want it to do. So I think that probably explains uh, the, the loyalty that we saw, uh, the more diverse loyalty we, we saw in, in, in planters especially. This episode is brought to you by DTN Spray Outlook. Simplify your day with DTN Spray Outlook. This tool produces an intuitive red, yellow, green color outlook that indicates the appropriateness of making applications from day to day, hour to hour. All the details on spray risk, wind speed and direction, dew point and temperature are displayed on a single screen available either on your desktop computer or mobile device. It's ideal for operators like you who are juggling many chores at the same time. DTN Spray Outlook can be found in our platforms. For more information, please visit our website at www.dtn.com. Now, back to the show. Well, using that as a springboard to talk about what brands were the most popular and who were the winners. Well, for example, we, we, we divided the uh, combines uh, into two categories. Uh, one was class six and below, so the smaller combines. And the winner there was Case, and John Deere came in second, for example. And then in the larger combines, the class seven and above, um, and this is for overall ownership experience, uh, Case was the winner, John Deere was second. But if you go to um, um, combines, the, the larger combines, again, for fewest reported problems overall, John Deere came in first and Case came in second. So Case and John Deere were kind of flipping back and forth through here. Um, when you got into drills, for example, um, the top-rated seed drill, John Deere was the winner, but uh, Great Plains came in second place, we found there. And uh, that was exciting for us to see to see a manufacturer um, uh, come in there, you know, one, one that's a, a smaller manufacturer, but still rate very high among readers. So that was, uh, that was gratifying to see that. And uh, uh, Great Plains also came in first place uh, for, for overall uh, fewest reported problems overall. Um, and then when you looked at uh, pole-type planters, um, the larger planters, Kinsey came in uh, first, John Deere second, Case came in third. Okay, if you look at the, the, the pole-type planters um, up to 19 rows, um, you, see for the, you see for the fewest reported problems, Case came in first, Kinsey came in second. So again, it, it just kind of goes on like that. These, these uh, manufacturers, Kinsey won in the large planter category for overall ownership. Um, so, and John Deere and Kinsey kind of flipped back and forth through those. So, like I said, it was nice to see um, some of these other some of these other manufacturers in the mix this time. I think it it it, it validates our, our our thoughts about this that that you know there's a there's there's a good amount of loyalty out there to a wide variety of equipment, and 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 I think the survey showed that. Yeah, I wonder if you could maybe taking a little bit of a step back, talk about what the opportunity there could be. You know, I think we've the assumption has been that that people are pretty entrenched in their decisions around equipment. And it sounds like for, for both equipment manufacturers and for farmers who are looking for maybe a, a better deal or a different kind of experience with their dealer, you know, that that kind of shopping around or, or considering a wider, you know, group of options for equipment might be something that people are really starting to think about. I, I, I think that's it's that's true. Um, you know, I, I think you can't you can't discount uh, a loyalty to to a color to a line of equipment. I think that's still really important. Um, but I think what we found in the survey here uh, was that the ability to work on your own equipment, the the the, the role of the dealership in, in selling equipment. You know, it's critical for the dealer to show the farmer 
how to place that equipment in his operation, how to, you know, where does it fit? If you're, if you're going to go to another planter uh, manufacturer, for example, how does that planter fit into the farmer's operation? How's it going to make him more productive, more efficient? You know, how's it going to boost his profit? So I think those things are important. If the dealer can make the sale that way, um, uh, you know, they're going to be, they're going to be successful and, and, and they know that too. Well, let me ask you about, you know, you touched on this a little bit earlier, but talk to me about the different ways that people um, in the survey talked about buying this equipment in terms of, you know, is it, is it generally leasing? Is it buying new, buying used? What's kind of the, the breakdown of how people are thinking? I mean, especially in given the last few years of, of low commodity prices, um, are, are people shifting the way they think about equipment ownership or purchase or any of those factors? I think, I think predominantly um, um, people are still buying equipment. They're financing their purchases. Um, but it was kind of surprising to see numbers up in the 30s and 40 percentiles of people who were, who were, who were purchasing uh, the equipment with cash. That's probably a little bit more true in the smaller uh, lines of equipment, smaller tractors, um, smaller combines and those kinds of things um, uh, that, that you might expect more farmers to pay cash for those. Um, you know, we always, always see some leasing in there, too. You know, you see a smaller percentage of of farmers leasing, and that's highly dependent on uh, dealer and, and, and manufacturing incentives and those. Um, so, but I said, like I said, go back to the beginning is that um, still still the, the biggest percentage of farmers are, are, are financing their purchases. I'm curious too, you've talked, we've talked quite a bit about the role of the dealer in all of this and, and how much customer service, especially during, you know, this odd COVID quarantine time um, has been. How um, is that, is this a shift? Is this becoming, you know, more important over time? Uh, and I'm curious how, whether, especially when you all were, were, for example, working with farmers to help write the questions, you know, I'm, I, I, I wonder how you were thinking about how to ask about that dealer relationship, because I think to other points you've made, um, you know, farmers also certainly want to be able to do the work themselves. So how does that how does balancing that um, interest in in the farmer being the expert and being able to do their own work, but then also, you know, having a dealer who is attentive and available and responsive? Yeah, yeah I, I, I agree with you. I think, you know, our surveys showed that the, that the dealer is critical to the sale. OK, so I take that thought into interviews I've been doing with manufacturers um, this spring and summer on how, you know, basically, how are they getting through COVID? How are they how are they continuing to to to? to manage through COVID, both on the factory floor and delivering parts and, and maintaining equipment out there in the field and all that. So if you go back to that, um, you know, the dealerships will say, well, in the spring, we realized it was obviously critical to get the farmer in the field and keep him in the field so he could plant. That was that was step one. Well, how do they do that? So, you know, they, they had to secure their parts delivery lines. Um, they had to uh, per, still keep their factories open if they could. And most of them did. I don't think, I don't recall any, any true long time long-term shutdown on in any of the factories but getting those parts to the, to the farmer was important so now how does the farmer deal with the the dealer where the parts are delivered um, sometimes the parts are put out you know in front of the building and the farmer would pick them up um, dealers still had the ability to send out their technicians to the field to work with farmers but i think the bigger thing they're finding here is that communications digitally um, however they want to do it, it was important for systems that could predict breakdowns, which they have on, on their equipment, uh, that can predict breakdowns um, or, or remind farmers that a maintenance uh, item needs attention. 
those kinds of things. The, the more they could keep in contact with the farmer that way, the better they could serve them. Um, they could they can make the parts for make sure the parts were there. So I don't know if it's called it you know digitally is the best way to say it, but it's kind of a digital maintenance uh, um, uh, structure that that sprung up this spring and summer, um, where where farmers can talk directly not only to the dealerships but to the manufacturer, and and that was pretty important because that gave them access to a level of information that maybe they wouldn't have access to in the past. Uh, so it made the farmers more productive in their in their maintenance work, and obviously that kept them in the field. And you know the rest the rest is there. So digital maintenance is a great segue into to one of my last questions about uh, technology and how technology plays into these sales. It seems like there is a real sweet spot for farmers between you know having the technology that that enables the kind of advanced um, equipment that they're looking for, but also not not so much technology that it is unmanageable or, or hard to learn or uh, you know, just just over the top. So talk to me about what the survey had to say about how technology fits into these considerations. Um, technology is important. There's no doubt about that. Um, it's hard to get from a farmer, um, at least it's, it, it, it's been hard to get from a farmer on how much technology they want and how well adapted they are to using that technology, I would say. Um, some are better than others. It's like it's you know it's 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 like it is anywhere uh, when you talk about technology and computers and things. I'm amazed by the technology that's in the cabs of tractors and combines. I I don't know. Dan Miller doesn't know how personally they manage through all that you know through all the buttons and and and, and everything and the screens and everything that they do, uh, but they do. But what we came back with, I think, um, through this survey was that farmers want more. They want more training. Um, they want to better understand the equipment they have. Um, some manufacturers, you know, will give them, you know, YouTube seminars and um, uh, those online kinds of seminars, but they want more than that. They, you know, they they do want to sit down when it's possible again, sit down in a dealership and and go through the, you know, get get into the technology and how it's best used and how it can be best used to to, to perform the work they're doing. So. I know I'm giving you a roundabout answer here to your question, and it's a good one. I, I, I just think it varies from farmer to farmer and how deeply they want to they want to get in uh, uh, to the technology. I talked to one farmer outside this survey. They had a a, a brand new sprayer um, um, delivered to their farm, and and everybody was afraid to use it <laughs> because it was so technologically advanced. And so the 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 man I was talking to said he just had, he was the guy who said, I'm going to take out the manual and I'm going to go through it page by page and, and learn how to mute, use the machine. And he did. And now he's the sprayer guy on the farm because he knows how to use it. So it, it does take um, a farmer to sit down and, and kind of go through it. And I'm not telling them anything they don't know. Uh, um, they're, they're, they're amazing in what they can make these machines do. But I think they feel like they could do a lot more, especially for the money, uh, the money they spend on the technology, that they could do a lot more uh, uh, with it. So they, 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 they kind of crave more training, I believe. I'm curious how much or whether the survey got into it all, how, you know, basically synergies play into this, like the, how much does, you know, picking where you buy your tractor just naturally lead to, okay, well, I'm going to go there either because of discounts or because I'm just comfortable with the dealer or for any of those reasons like that, you just naturally buy your combine and your planter from that same company. Is there, 
like, is that kind of packaging a, a big factor in, in how people choose? Or is there a lot of people or a lot of farmers out there, you know, buying their tractor from one company and their combine from a second company and their planter from a third? I probably more of the first. And in, in that, I don't know um, what incentives dealers and manufacturers might offer for, you know, farmers who buy, you know, the same color tractors, combines, planters, and all that. I don't know that there is discounts or if they offer any. Um, but, you know, you do hear the stories here and there where, like I said before, there, there was a man I talked to in Virginia, I think it was, and he was a, he was a John Deere guy, um, but he went down he went down the road he went down the road um, to buy a tractor from another manufacturer, smaller tractor to another manufacturer because he felt like it fit better into his operation. So he was willing, you know, he was willing to shop around a little bit to do that. So I, I I'm sure there's some of that, but I don't think our survey really really you know revealed that in any way. Um, but, it, but it is an interesting point. Um, final question on the survey. Uh, where, what's next? Where is there going to be additional surveys coming out, you know, in the, in the coming months, maybe in the early part of 2021? Are you, are you all looking at, you know, other kind of equipment questions or other kind of, you know, questions around other decisions that farmers make? Um, we are, we are looking at additional surveys. Um, I don't think any final decisions have been made yet. Um, on on what what products we want to look at, but I think I think next next year uh, uh, our readers are going to find that we uh, conduct some other uh, surveys as well into into farming equipment. It'll still be in that category, obviously. Um, but you know, I hope there might be a couple surprises there in some of the choices we make. Awesome. Uh, and then I do want to ask you uh, as a final question: uh, DTN has a new survey coming out uh, on kind of some political choices that farmers might be making in the next couple of weeks. I wonder if you could give us a little bit of a preview of, of what that survey is and, and when folks can expect to hear more about it. Sure. That's, thank you for asking about that. Yeah, we've uh, uh, produced a, a survey with Zogby. Uh, we've done this since 2012. We've done three presidential uh, surveys with them, and then we did a midterm in 2018 with Zogby. Um, we like working with them. It's just an easy, easy survey. They make it easy for us to do. So the survey we did this year, obviously, we looked at uh, candidates um, um, and, and we looked at parties and how they might vote. Um, we found that 50 percent of rural adults um, intend to vote for the president on, on November 3rd. And, and, and that was a 17 point advantage over uh, former Vice President Joe Biden. So um, that that's a result. Uh, that we found in, in earlier surveys of, uh, in regards to Republicans versus Democrats. Um, we found that 53% of rural adults approve of Donald Trump's performance as president and that he's strong in, in the, the kind of the critical Central Great Lakes region among older uh, rural adults and among married rural adults that he does well there. Um, so th those results aren't, aren't surprising. We know rural areas are more conservative probably more Republican, but not always. Um, so th that, that, was the, that was kind of the main takeaway is that it looks like as in 2016, President Trump um, has a strong rural base that he can count on. Check out the full results of the Reader Insight Survey and read Dan's full analysis in the DTN Progressive Farmer Magazine and keep up with up to the minute reporting on all things machinery at dtnpf.com. This episode of Field Post was brought to you by the team at DTN Progressive Farmer, with special thanks to Dan Miller. This episode was produced and edited by me, Sarah Mock, with support by Greg Hillier and Kylie Swanson. And a big thanks to all of you for listening. 
If you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And be sure to check back in next week for our latest WASD episode with Todd Holtman. And until then, remember, the future of farming is here. This episode is brought to you by DTN Haytimer. Hay and forage quality isn't just about yield. It also relies on the perfect weather window to ensure a good crop. Use DTN Haytimer, part of MyDTN, to quickly assess risk by viewing maps specifically designed to show circumstances affecting hay quality. Pennsylvania producer David Graybill said, quote, other weather forecasts were not accurate enough. As DTN Haytimer shows, it takes the right combination of drying to preserve the crop. I would guess we lost three to four times the value in crops that it would cost us to keep our DTN subscription for the year. DTN Haytimer is part of the MyDTN platform. Visit mydtn.com to start a free 14-day trial.